This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. Happy Halloween, Kelly. Happy Halloween, JT. Oh, man, I'm so excited for this episode. There's so many cool things I've been wanting to talk about, and we've been holding off for this episode. I know. Oh, man. It's, uh,. I'm glad the timing worked out since we're a Wednesday release podcast. That it's on actual Halloween. Right. Though I'm a little bummed that actual Halloween is on a Wednesday. Right. You know what? Uh, as a man with children, I am completely cool with Halloween being on yeah. a Wednesday because I leave work a little early. Um, I, I yeah. get my daughter dressed up. You're in a ready-made trick-or-treating neighborhood, oh, dude. dude. You're in the neighborhood that gives away the full-size candy bars. Are you ready for that this I, year? I am. I am. I've, I've been hitting Costco for... Oh my God, I live in a, a nightmare for some people. I've been hitting Costco like every couple of weeks, buying bags of candy, getting ready because all right, all right. we have hundreds what, of kids in our neighborhood. What, what do I get if I trick or treat at the Mears household? Uh, you are, we, we don't do the full size stuff because growing up, that was reserved for Johnny Cash's house. When I'd go to Johnny, <laughs> my parents would drive me over to Johnny Cash's house. Yeah. I'd walk up and uh, he and June would be there and they'd have this big bowl and they would have cassette tapes of Johnny's most recent albums. And also full-size Snicker bars. Ah, that's beautiful. It is. And my parents never took me to Johnny's house. I got to talk to them about this. You do. You do. Because they blew it, man. Yeah, they they they, did. Sorry, Alex. Sorry, Sandy. Good Lord. And I think, you know, my mom met June Carter boot shopping a couple times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Whatever. Uh, So at at the Mears residence, we give uh, handfuls of Hershey's candies mixed. Okay. I might throw in a couple uh, bags of Mars stuff if I can find it, but okay. we're, we're really like a, a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, Kit Kat, Snickers. Not bad. All right, so what do we got on tap today? Oh, it's man. a Halloween episode. It's a Halloween episode, so we are going to talk about, uh, it, it's really going to be focused on Bogus Journey today. We're going to be talking about Bill and Ted's Fears, and we're going to be talking about the original ending to Bogus Journey and how the fears played a bigger role, and also how the Battle of the Bands was much much darker in the original version right right uh we're also going to be talking about uh everybody's favorite grim reaper um uh william sadler yeah and uh his excellent portrayal of the grim reaper oh man and you know a lot a lot of that's in the writing sure because of the characterization they gave the grim reaper and you can see the thought and detail that chris matheson gave into religious things and you know after our talk with him Mm -hmm. and looking at some of his novels and stories after writing these like the thoughts but just the pettiness that he gave the Grim Reaper. And oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's just beautiful. But William Sadler. He's, I mean, one of the finest actors in, in either movie. Oh, for sure. You know, for I sure. mean, just just incredible performance. And you you look at his career, and it's almost entirely, almost entirely, not, not quite, but in almost everything he's played, it's been a authority figure or a complete badass. Right. Or some combination of both. I mean, he's a physical specimen. He, you know, I, I would say maybe maybe uh, uh, the one exception to that is Dwight on Roseanne. Absolutely, absolutely. Still a physical specimen, to be sure. Yeah, but, a uh, beautiful yeah. man, but a but a fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it. And, Sorry, you know, kids. No, it's all right. It's all right. We we got that little red E next to our download, so <laughs> you know you get what you pay for, people. Uh, also, want to talk a little bit about our own fears. So, let's talk about the three fears that Bill and Ted face in hell. 
Oh, man. Okay, so first off, I just want to say when watching this for the first time and I'm realizing what's happening there. So they, they go to hell, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're sent to hell in the sweetest way possible, just flying into a pit of darkness. <laughs> dropping forever. <laughs> dropping forever. They play 20 questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, are you a mineral? <clears throat> yes. Are you a tank? Yes. <laughs> F- finally, they land. They figure out where they are. It's like hell's like this. They're on a rock tethered by a chain, and there's just a giant Satan fire breathing satan like holding on to everything and they're they're basically just trying to get his attention they're yeah. like hey <laughs> <laughs> oh man it, it, and you know they're they're like you know this is all right you know this isn't bad and then uh suddenly they get dropped and did they do they air guitar satan did they do a like an, like a <laughs> i'm ashamed that i can't say this with certainty but i'm pretty sh- they air guitar when they get to hell because yeah, like, yeah. you know their album covers our album covers do not lie to us right you know so they get there they they Talk to Satan, and Satan's, you know, kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, I think it's safe to say Satan's kind right. of a dick. They're basically trying to explain that they're not supposed to be there. And then, boom, they get dropped in this chamber. And before you know it, you realize and they're in their own personal hells. Which? Uh, you know, as a 12, 13-year-old watching that movie, this is really the first time I'm considering a personal hell, you know. Yeah. As a thing, right? Right. Terrifying. It is. I mean, it is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's... uh, Almost as terrifying as uh, Alex Winter dressed up as his own grandmother in that makeup. That was just... Talk about some excellent makeup work right there. Yeah, fantastic. Some of the finest. I want to talk about, while we're talking about this, the little kid versions of Bill and Ted. Yeah. I mean, great casting, right? Right, right. Those kids, they nailed it with the casting, and they got... Two kids who were not like into that Disney actor thing where, you know, they say role and no matter what happens. I don't know if you've read stories like this talking about child actors. A lot of times these actors have been just these kid actors have been trained to just smile whenever the camera's on. Mm. So they'll get hired for these dramatic roles or something. And they'll, the director will say action. And the cameras will start rolling and the kids are just beaming and glowing yeah. fake joy. Yeah. And it's just impossible to work with them. So that's why you find a lot of. Uh, movies featuring kids that have never been in anything before because they're more naturalistic because they haven't just mm-hmm. been trained. Like uh, uh, I saw Goodfellas recently, and the child actor that plays the young Ray Liotta. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a just he's just got a shit grin the whole time, <laughs> <He does. laughs> just like you're talking about. He does, and it's like, all right, Marty, that's the best you can do. Cool, whatever. I mean, maybe take a page out of Bill and Ted's book and see how you really uh, work with actors and kid actors. I don't know, you know, whatever. <laughs> Not a lot. Not a lot of good said about Martin Scorsese, and uh, you know it's probably fair. Uh, I'm kidding. I, I, yeah. yeah, he did all right. Yeah, he did okay. I, I don't think he's going to care what we think about him. No. Yeah. Not at all. So these these kid actors are great, though, right? I mean, not yeah. only do they look like each of them, but they mm-hmm. totally nail the cadence. The, yeah, the aesthetic. Yeah. I, I wonder if they locked him in a room, and made him watch the first movie like twenty times. They might have. <laughs> They might, might have. I'd say it would be child abuse, except those kids got to watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 20 times around. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, just like we did voluntarily. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, so the kids were great. But back to their personal fears. Right, right. So, so we know there was Granny S. Preston Esquire. Right. The Easter Bunny. Right. Creepy, creepy oh, man. Easter Bunny. Yeah. And, and that was the thing that sort of stuck with me and haunted me um, more, more than... than than Granny or even uh, Colonel Oates. Yes. Colonel Oates was a great addition, though, because that tied back into the real world. They start with Colonel Oates mm-hmm. after the devil. They, they they go to Colonel Oates, and he's there in hell. But we've already seen him earlier in the movie, so we that kind of 
keys us into the fact that these are a personal hell and something that both these guys really fear in a very real way. So, you know, he's, you know, drop and give me infinity. And then they make a break for it and they break up. And this is one of the only times in both films where the guys go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of another time except for right. Bill. Or except you're for right. Tim. No, you're right. And I didn't want, I didn't mean to stop you there, but uh, let's also mention the actor that played Colonel Oates, Chelsea mm-hmm. Ross. He was in Hoosiers. He did a lot of great bit roles around there. That was a that was like a, a great sort of cameo role casting right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, perfect yeah. Colonel Oates. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. <laughs> I still think of him whenever I think of military authority figures. All right, so um, you have the three fears, mm-hmm. and uh, in the movie, the final edit of the movie, they're they're uh, they face the fears. Then eventually, uh, you know, they meet the Grim Reaper, get back out of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never see from the fears again. That's true. Uh, but as we knew, talking to Chris Madison, and as you knew before that, because <laughs> with I'm the a, book in front of your... I'm because I am an old school nerd, <laughs> and uh, one of the rarefied class of Bill and Ted nerds, I was at the comic book store the day that the comic book adaptation of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was released. I was there to buy my copy. I bought my copy read it from front to back several times in preparation for going to see the movie. Also about the soundtrack the day it came out, like my, yeah. my mother drove me to Sam Goody. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. So many good casingles we bought there oh, man. over the oh, years. Oh, the casingles, oh, yes. Dude. So uh, that, that soundtrack, day of release, purchase, that's back when CDs came, those big oblong boxes mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were cardboard. All that unnecessary cardboard. Yeah, absolutely terrible for the environment. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> and then, it, like... Some of them were just those long plastic rings, like, you know, those rectangular plastic rings. Uh. A lot of time and effort was spent in the 80s and 90s trying to keep people from stealing CDs. Yeah. I mean, mean, there's no irony there whatsoever, right? Nope. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) You know. Like, how much overage was spent on security of of that stuff, and then it all turned to ones and zeros? Yeah. And uh, (laughs) thank goodness nobody can steal music now, right? Right. I mean, because what a terrible world we would live in if... Everybody could just have music for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I digress. The thing that that cardboard was good for was cutting out and then thumbtacking to your wall as a mini movie poster. And so I had Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted. I don't remember if death was on that cover too. He might've been a long white box with Bill and Ted from Bogus Journey and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on there. Regardless, had the comic book, read it front to back several times. I could have quoted it going in to see Bogus Journey the first time. This is how excited I was. And I go in, and the ending is 80% different. And Mm -hmm. I I, I had no idea what was going on. Were you bummed? No. It worked better. The movie worked better. What originally happens, and you you can find this in Evan Dorkin's excellent adaptation of the original script. Bill and Ted have come back from heaven with Station. Bill and Ted, Station, and the Grim Reaper have gone to the hardware store to get... um, uh, items to build the good robot houses. Right. And as they're driving to the Battle of the Bands and everybody's working on the good robot houses, in the middle of the street appear the three greatest fears. You've got the Easter Bunny, you've got uh, Granny S. Preston Esquire, and you have uh, Colonel Oates. They're all standing there. They stop the van and, you know, they're, they're basically just trying to derail them from getting to the 
Battle of the Band. You know, the idea is great that to have them face their fears right before the climax of the movie. I could see how that was like imagined, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great idea. It, mm-hmm. it, it adds a little bit of character this, growth. This, this little never-ending story, sort of like the last test mm-hmm. before you get to the Southern Oracle. Right. Have I sure. gone too far for you <laughs> listeners? <laughs> no. Oh, they're all in. They're all in. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And it, I love the idea of Bill and Ted having a little bit of character growth there and learning a little bit. A lot of the second movie is about them becoming who they were supposed to be. Yep. Not just surviving an ordeal so they could be who they wanted to be, but actually becoming who they're mm-hmm. supposed to be. And mm-hmm. overcoming the fears is thematically a big part of that. Right. But it didn't make a lot of sense for these fears to just pop out of nowhere. And it, it, it wasn't <laughs> In really, a parking lot. Right. It wasn't really explained, like, if Denomalos was able to do it or if... You know, like Satan had released them upon Earth, but the, the, <laughs> in, in the original script, that's probably how I would have gone. Yeah. Like Satan sends them back. Right, it's a Satan thing. It is like maybe that just counterbalances cosmically God sending Station down to Earth. There because, you go. There you go. You know, right. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, like they give Colonel Oates a honey bun, you know, and that kind of melts his heart a little bit. Uh, Bill kisses the Easter Bunny. Or no, Bill. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want Bill to kiss the Easter Bunny. Oh man, there's some there's some weird uh, slash fiction going on there. But <laughs> Bill does not kiss the Easter Bunny. Bill kisses his Granny S. Preston Esquire. I forget what they did with the Easter Bunny. I think I think Ted just apologized. That's probably it. But they faced their fears. It, it, like, did it have to? Because the Easter Bunny was evil because Ted stole his little brother. De- he stole Deacon Logan's candy. Terrible name. Yes. <laughs> stole Deacon Logan's. You know what? That kid had enough trouble in life being named Deacon hey, Logan that nobody needed to steal his Easter Deacon Bunny. was easily richer than the rest of his own family. <laughs> he was. Look was at that obvious. watch. Look at that watch. Ordering, you know, the Ziggy Pig for everyone. It's got to be, what, 30 bucks? Where's he getting this money? That, that's got to be... How much would you spend for that at an ice cream parlor now? That's... <laughs> I, all I'm saying is Captain Logan's not giving him that money. No, he's not. He is not. There's there's some side <laughs> hustle going on there. Yeah. Deacon Logan, middle school drug dealer. We've nailed it. <laughs> we have. We, we have, have nailed it. Oh, man. It makes perfect sense now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Poor poor Captain Logan. Can you imagine the, the heartbreak when he found that out? How else does he have twins on that? bowling date right i know i mean like just calling up two two blonde ladies to go out with a middle-aged <laughs> bowling just what they didn't show was like deacon logan's like hoopty out back <laughs> it's like <laughs> insanely nice yeah, car right, wait, just, wait. it's off screen I, I, i'm imagining spinning rims on this thing was he old enough to drive you know, it it doesn't matter when you're Deacon Logan. It's true, it doesn't. I mean, if you're if you're if your father's the captain of the police and you're you're running amok, you're getting away with everything. Everything. It doesn't matter. Plus, look at that haircut. Yeah, Deacon Logan's haircut could have been the villain of any '80s comedy. <laughs> Not Deacon Logan himself, but his haircut. He could have absolutely been the villain of any. It's like. The excellent skier, you know, who, who's like way better than the protagonist. Yeah, I, dare I say, Deacon Logan has no personal fears. Personal hell is just heaven for him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I think we also just answered our podcast network's central question: Who owns this town? Or we own this town? No, we don't own this town. Deacon Logan. Deacon owns Logan owns this town. Yeah. Right? So Bill and Ted they face their fears. They, they face their fears. They face their fears. They they move on. They're able to get to. The uh, Battle of the Bands, they mm-hmm. get there just as 
the evil Bill and Ted robots are delivering Denomalos's monologue. Right. They show up and they're like, you guys are imposters, you're evil robots. And the audience is like, whoa, two Bills, two Teds, two Bill and Teds. And then the evil robots beat the shit like brain <laughs> Bill and Ted with Mike Stans. Oh, like it's wow. it's gruesome. It is Jeez. it is like a gruesome, just like a near death beating. Yeah, and there's a line from one of the evil robots here. Uh, that's nothing. You ever seen Guar? <laughs> right, man. Imagine if Guar had been in Bogus Journey. Oh, they should have been. Yeah, they, they should have they been. Absolutely should have been. That's oh. a missed opportunity yep. right there. Yep. Um. So. Dark, right? We talked about the second movie being dark. The original yeah. draft, so much darker. Apparently. I mean, like, just, like, you can't see the motion that I'm making out there in podcast land, but I've, I've got my hands wrapped around a an imaginary mic stand. He and does. I'm lifting it up and down, and I'm just, like, <laughs> beating somebody's skull on the ground into a Yeah, pulp. it's like a scene the- out of The Wire, but... <laughs> it absolutely is. You replace gun with Mike Stanton. Yeah. So it, it's terrible. So Bill and Ted die again on stage in front of everybody. It's gruesome. People probably suffered PTSD from this situation. Just imagine these two excellent dudes just being brutalized. No. And so they're like, hey, death. And death's like, not right now. The show must go on. I'm like, screw that, death. We beat you four out of seven. You've already given us two lives. We get two more. So death is like, okay, yeah, you're right. So there's a second resurrection. I, I had no idea about that. Yeah, it's crazy. Also, another change. Uh, in the final edit of the uh, movie, Bill and Ted have these joysticks, right? And they use the joysticks to run up and punch the bad robots. So Good Robot Us is controlled by joystick for like 30 seconds and then have free will after that. Yeah. But run up, do the, do the chunky robot dance, run up to the evil robots, punch them in the guts, then uppercut their heads off, right? Okay. Yeah, they do that. In the original script, that is not what happens. Uh, They're distracted. The evil robots are distracted. Bill and Ted, who have been resurrected behind their backs, come up, rip their heads off. (laughs) Rip their heads off. (laughs) And in the uh, heads is a self-destruct button. So Bill and Ted hit the self-destruct button and say, stand back, everybody, and... No pun intended, but they chuck them at Denomalos and <laughs> blow Denomalos up. They, nice. they stone cold murder Denomalos. Well, you know, I can see how some of that would not have played out uh, in the spirit yeah. of what was done before. <laughs> right? All very interesting <laughs> ideas. Um, but I, I think the, the final version of the film is, you know, superior. I think it played yeah. a lot better and uh, mm-hmm. a lot more goodwill there. Plus, yeah, we, we talked sure. about our love for the callbacks with the uh, time travel stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please. It allowed for just a, it was a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had they blown up Chuck Denomalos, he wouldn't have gotten to marry Missy. Yeah, but then maybe Colonel Oates would have. <laughs> oh, that's true. So, you know, um, Denomalos's gain is Oates' loss. <laughs> Oates' loss. Sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> okay, so Kelly. We've talked about Bill and Ted's greatest fears for our Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, in a second, I'm going to ask you two of yours. Okay. Um, but, you know, and, you know, if, it, if it's fear itself, that's fine, man. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, I will tell you uh, two things I am scared of. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm scared of coal mines. Okay. And uh, I'm scared of tiny alligators. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I guess what would strike me first is, okay, you know, coal mines. 
That's pretty understandable. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about is uh, why a tiny alligator and not the really big alligator? <laughs> I think it's like pain plus death I can get behind, but like the tiny alligator is uh, in my nightmares because I, I, I have recurring nightmares about tiny alligators. They, they're usually in a swimming pool, and I've got to get in the swimming pool to, to retrieve something. Okay. And they're just biting me all over. And it's just... Just like lots of tiny yeah, alligators? Yeah, lots of tiny like, alligators. They're like they're piranhas or yeah, something? Yeah, like piranhas are like a swarm. or I, okay. I, I don't... Is it a pride of tiny alligators? Is it a murder of tiny alligators? You know, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Seems kind of like that, uh, the second Jurassic Park, where the... The little tiny uh, raptors oh, kill the kids yeah, or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, Is it yeah, like that? Yeah. Is it's that kind of like that? And like these are much smaller. I mean, okay. It, I my daughter has a... like small, like the. Um little foam things you would drop in the hot water yes. and then so is it is yeah. there is it a tie into that actually I, that was a toy of our time it was I, i'll tell you actually i i realized where this came from okay i was a young child i was visiting washington dc with my family we went to the smithsonian and a tiny alligator broke out of one of the exhibits and my grandfather captured it in his panama jack hat in a newspaper and showed it to me. He's like, hey, buddy boy, come check this out. <laughs> and he lifted the newspaper <laughs> off his Panama Jack hat, and I freaked the F out. Like, that sounds like a scene out of Indiana Jones or something, right? Like, It was, oh, man, like <laughs> out of nowhere. And it shouldn't have scared me. It's just like not was what I was expecting. You know, I was like, oh, Grandpa bought me a new toy. Thank you. And they're like, no, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, so that's stayed with you ever since. It has. It and, really um, has. And so coal mines, huh? Yep. Coal mines. It's a little bit of claustrophobia. Okay. Um, a little bit of claustrophobia. And you went into a cave last week. Did that bring any it bring was, you that up a little bit? It, a little bit, but you know what? I was there with my daughter. Like okay. I took her down and she's like totally into caves, totally into bats. She can nice. tell you anything you want to know about any of that uh stuff. It it's incredible. Um but she really, really, really wanted to go. And if I was down there and I was taking care of her and I was making sure that she wasn't jumping off the edge or doing anything she wasn't supposed to do and i was just focused on her and her enjoyment and her awe of the whole situation so it was oh, fine okay all yeah, right it was That's fun good it was, it was yeah. sounds like you maybe faced a little bit of that fear a little bit i didn't i didn't offer it a honey bun no you haven't taught your daughter about white nose syndrome right killing off all the bats no she knows about it she oh she does me about okay it the way up there and she's all like right, my daddy we're right. gonna have to wipe our feet when we leave yes yeah all and, right i mean like this girl Good for her. This That's awesome. This girl just turned six yesterday. So uh, yeah. this is Halloween, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Turned <laughs> six yesterday. All right. So you, you got any fears? All right, JT, I can talk to you about one of my fears. It's okay. a great, great fear of mine you've been aware of. Um, I have a major fear of uh, things that sting me. Oh. Um, I've had some major incidents in my life that have scarred me. Um, insects as well as... Uh, Portuguese man of war in the water. I didn't know about um, the man of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and so, you know, I don't know. It's a different kind of fear, right? Because you go through this thing when you're younger and mm-hmm. then you're sort of perpetually. It's a PTSD. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Yeah. yeah. It's like a PTSD fear. Yeah. Um, I was a camp summer camp counselor for many years. And uh, uh, one year we were doing a uh, all day rock climbing trip and, uh, uh, stepped into a nest of uh, yellow jackets mm. and got stung uh, probably 20 times. Lost my shoe in the process and had to run back down a mountain later when a storm hit after <laughs> I had been stung 30 times and passed out on Benadryl. But, you know, I don't know if the listeners need to hear all that. That, my friend, 
that <laughs> coupled with the seven canoe incidents is why I yes. never go outside. <laughs> and if I do go outside, it's into a cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, and you know, went to a camp as a little kid, uh, a sailboating camp, and uh, the boat turned over, and I got stung by a Portuguese man of war around my ankle. Uh, I was like nine years old when that happened. So you were you were in a shipwreck, and then you were attacked by a Portuguese man. That's war. what I'm talking about. That sounds so much better when you say it that I'm way. I'm just saying you are a badass, sir, certified <laughs> at nine years old. I mean, like, I'm surprised you don't have an anchor tattoo. Hey, um, who says I don't? Nope. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, sir. But yeah, um, and and that really leads to a, a fear I have of going into the ocean. You know, um, I, I, I don't know really go into the ocean because of of that. What about flying over water? Are you okay with flying over water? Is it? Just- I can fly over water. Um, I'm pretty confident in the fact that if my plane crashes, it just won't really matter. Okay. I'm not going to survive. Right. So. Fair enough. Whether it's in the water or not. That's how I am with the large alligator. Yeah. You know, okay, like, all right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not afraid of death itself. It's just slowly suffocating in a in complete darkness with no hope of rescue right. or by just being like in a lot of pain from dozens of yeah. tiny bites. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the last things we're going to talk about here is the great actor, William Sadler, who played the Grim Reaper. Uh, incredible actor. Yeah. Pro- prolific, really. Mm-hmm. Um I first remember him, um, you know, on Roseanne. That was really like my first. You know, I, I, I want to say that was probably close to the same time he did Die Hard. That was all. Die Hard Two came out in I think ninety two, so it okay. might have come out the same year. As yeah, Bob or maybe Jerry. even after, because you know, I think he was on Roseanne for a couple seasons, mm-hmm. and you don't really see Dwight after that, right? But that was like my first memory of him. Yeah, see, I, I didn't, <clears throat> I did not connect that those two. We're the same person until much later. Yeah, and I probably didn't either because of all the makeup that he's wearing in Bogus Journey mm-hmm. as the Reaper. It's yeah. kind of like until you know, like, oh, it's that guy, right? But you you do see him out of makeup at the very end when he's playing the uh, British guy. Oh, right, right. But but when I first watched that movie, sure. there, I had no idea. Absolutely. So the list is pretty stellar. He moved from TV. It looked like he did He did Murphy Brown. He did uh, Dear John, oh, <laughs> which you whoa, and I both loved. Love Dear John. Um, uh, In the Heat of the Night, St. Elsewhere, Tour of Duty, which was a Vietnam War show I watched with my dad all the time. Right. Well, that, that was back in the mid-'80s where 60% of all network programming yeah. had to deal with Vietnam. Uh, music licensing issues really killed that show when mm-hmm. it got re-released on DVD because they couldn't keep the Rolling Stones theme song. Right. And it didn't have the cr- cultural... Uh, cachet of Wonder Years, which took forever to be released, yeah, but finally yeah, yeah. they were able to strong arm that into existence. Mm-hmm. It's important. It is. The good, the right music is going to make your thing last. Uh, we, were just, we were just reading about, it's the 25th anniversary of Dazed and Confused, yep. and uh, the director Linklater talks about being pressured into to using cover versions of all those songs, and that film never would have held up. Nope. It would have disappeared no. forever. It, it's interesting, because music plays such a key part in, in film and television, but when you're dealing with a period piece or you know a film set in a very, very specific time, the music is that much more important. Mm-hmm. Because if you do the Wonder Years without the music, the, that show relied so much on the music of that era to help evoke emotions, just like Tour of Duty did. Just, just like any film... I mean, Forrest Gump is the best slash worst example of that. Hey, I'm jogging, <laughs> running on empty. Right. <laughs> You know what would help sell this movie? What if we bludgeoned the audience with yeah. overly obvious music yeah. uh, uh, cues? Yeah. Going back to Sadler here, uh, 
obviously the most probably the most memorable film role ever, or at least for me. Uh, outside of, of of bad guy and Die Hard and and Grim Reaper, Bogus Journey, Haywood and Shawshank Redemption. Oh. I mean, you want to see the guy's range? Just take those three right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. He, he covers everything. Um, just, just amazing. Phenomenal. Just, I'd like to say what a guy, what a run that guy had at that period. But he's, I, I would like to think that he's out there doing the, whatever the hell he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, just so good, so good. Uh, you know, uh, we were just talking about his cameo with uh, uh, Iron Man 3 as the president yep. and then shows back up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so much which fun. is another show that we both love. Yep. The way he, he mastered that Grim Reaper role, just the bitterness, the mm-hmm. the weirdness of it, just mm-hmm. like this guy, you can tell, is really secluded, doesn't get along with others, doesn't really interact with others. Yeah, I mean, it was similar to Napoleon being that sort of fish out of water once he once he got going with old Bill and Ted, you know? They yeah. p- pulled him out of his comfort zone. By the end of the movie, he's finding himself. You yeah, know? and it, it, it's pretty great. I'm, and the self he finds is kind of an asshole. Yeah. But that's all right, you know? Like. <laughs> so, uh, JT, I think we've, uh, we've about wrapped up our Halloween episode here. I hope... Hope everyone's out there tonight being safe. I, I hope so, too. Um, I do have to say one thing because it's our Halloween episode and I have to brag about this with some Bill and Ted uh, okay. bona fides. Best costume I ever did. Me and some friends during law school dressed up as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm. And I was so great. My buddy Steve was Billy the Kid. We walked around the party all night tossing around a Nerf football and loved it. Oh, that's amazing. I it, wish I could have been there. It, it was great. Uh, when people saw me with the football without Steve, they thought I was touchdown Jesus, Jesus from Notre Dame. But when they saw Steve and I together, they knew it exactly. And, and we did win best costume that year. So Nice. I, nice. I, I just I, I couldn't let the Halloween yeah, episode yeah, yeah. pass without bragging. No, on that's that. good. It's good. Yeah. I got one other really big Bill and Ted bona fide, which I'm going to uh, keep in my back pocket for now. But, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Happy Halloween, everyone. Don't take candy from strangers. Actually, uh, this is the one night where you can't oh, do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, look for razor blades in your candy because when I was a kid, they were everywhere. Apparently, <laughs> everywhere. Don't don't needles do- and razor blades all in your candy. Yeah. Uh, I actually, our neighborhood, we just give out razor blades and needles oh, now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a bag of glass. Right. Bag of blo- yep. broken glass. Yep. <laughs> We want to thank Scott Bricklin and Scooby Tunes Music for the use of the excellent theme song, Walk Away. I want to thank Michael Eads, our producer, and We Own This Town. Uh, want to remind everybody to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sandemus Today. And uh, as always, be excellent to each other. Sandemus High School Football Rules! And the frighteners, and, and yeah. basically every drill sergeant character ever. <laughs> yeah, right. He was, he was. Why can I? Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking of that actor's name? Yeah, and yeah. it's just not coming it's to me. Right. But he, I, he did. He did. Uh, never mind. He, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs>